sun is up, I'm off to the river now Sit beneath the morning sun Gone away, washed away, watch the clouds roll by And there I sit, I close my eyes Thinking, oh, Welcome friends, this is A Better World Podcast 30 minutes of inspiration from the worlds of business and the arts. This is Mark Ross, and I'll be your host. Welcome back, friends. On this episode, I would like to talk about a company that hasn't been doing corporate social responsibility in a particularly good way, maybe throughout their history, and that's Volkswagen. Now, Volkswagen, uh, obviously a very popular vehicle in the United States, and but I'm not exactly sure why people are still buying Volkswagens. Uh, I don't know how this company is still in business. Many of you probably recall that Volkswagen was started in 1937 by uh, Adolf Hitler in Germany to try to provide uh, vehicles to every family in the, in the country, uh, and they were built by 15,000 slaves in concentration camps throughout Germany. So the company obviously has a, a pretty dark history uh, from the get-go. Volkswagen then more recently came onto my radar in 2016 when they were uh, accused and ultimately pled guilty to a systemic uh, fraud program uh, that involved uh, making claims about their diesel vehicles producing less pollution, less greenhouse gases, and burning cleaner than conventional petroleum-fueled vehicles. In fact, Volkswagen even promoted its supposedly clean, and I put that in quotes, cars through a very high-profile marketing campaign that included Super Bowl ads, online social media campaigns, and print advertising, often targeting environmentally conscious consumers. Uh, what they actually were doing, however, was they had uh, defeat devices in about almost 600,000 diesel cars that cheated federal emissions tests. Uh, it resulted in a criminal case brought by the EPA uh, with charges of conspiracy, obstruction of justice, among other fraud claims. Uh, ultimately, they pled guilty, and there was a $1.4 billion fine under the Clean Air Act, the largest of its kind. Uh, it also result, you know, resulted in tens of thousands of Volkswagen owners needing to then either trade in their devices or take the time to get them upgraded so as um, to counter the, the clean tech claims that they were duped into believing. So we have a history of a company that dates back to Nazi Germany that has been found guilty of major fraud and criminal violations of the Federal Clean Air Act, resulting in uh, over a billion dollars in fines. And now, this week, you may have heard some additional news about Volkswagen if you were, say, watching uh, a recent episode of the John Oliver Show regarding the Uyghur uh, population in Xinjiang, uh, China. Uh, the Uyghur population, uh, which makes up most of Xinjiang, uh, one of the provinces within China, is is a is a Muslim population that has been systemically and systematically placed into quote-unquote re-education camps 
and are now providing, in essence, slave labor to a number of companies. So it was revealed that there are a number of companies that have supply chain sourcing uh, in the province that are being serviced by uh, Uyghur workers in the factories. And you've got companies not only including uh, Volkswagen, but you have Nike, Adidas, and Amazon also uh, sourcing goods from the province. The chair of the European Parliament's delegation for relations with China uh, has slammed Volkswagen for not confronting China over uh, its treatment of the Uyghur minority in a region where the German car maker has a factory. Uh, and while the U.S. has already introduced some sanctions over these practices, uh, the European Commission is still resisting pressure to take action. Meanwhile, the uh, again, the chair of the European uh, Parliament's delegation for relations with China has said, quote-unquote, Volkswagen is a company without a conscience, uh, end quote, and that, that companies like Volkswagen are complicit in upholding a totalitarian hell in the province. Now, Volkswagen, of course, has denied any knowledge uh, that there is an issue in their supply chain or that they are employing Uyghur people in their factory or that they're being forced to work in their factory. But it's not the first time that Volkswagen has, of course, come out denying uh, charges that go against uh, them, especially with regard to the, the 2016 charges regarding diesel vehicles. Uh, I suspect the UN will get to the bottom of it and the European Union will get to the bottom of this and the sanctions will be placed on Volkswagen once again, which again, as I mentioned at the beginning, begs the question, why would anyone want to own a Volkswagen vehicle, any conscious consumer? Uh, because it clearly is not a company full of conscious individuals. This week on A Better World Podcast, I am so pleased we have Matt Lindsay. Matt is the Director of Social Responsibility at Charlotte's Web. So I've known Matt now for a few years now because we both kick around the corporate social responsibility space uh, in the cannabis industry. And, uh, and Matt's been doing it a lot longer than I have in a way. So Matt, please, um, uh, I would love to hear more about Charlotte's Web and how you got involved in the company. Well, thanks, Mark. It's awesome to be here. Thank you so much for this. Um, yeah, I mean, I, starting cannabis in 2012 wasn't really a, uh, it was a decision I made without without having any idea that I would still be here. In fact, I made the decision and gave the Stanley brothers who were longtime friends before I got into the business or into the industry. I, I gave Joel one year and said, Hey, I, I got one year. I need, I need a break from what I was doing. And, and I'm very curious to help you guys right now with certain needs that they had at that moment in time. They needed an inventory manager and they needed somebody to help work with the state with compliance. And so um, I was just in an interesting spot in life to say, yeah, I'll do that for a year. But within a couple months, I had met Charlotte. I had met a handful of pediatric clients that the brothers were working with through the, this very small CBD program they had going at that time. And my heart was captured, realizing really for the first time as an adult how, how, how this plant can actually do amazing health benefits and give people a better quality of life. I, I knew that was kind of there in the ether, but seeing it and experiencing it captured me. So yeah, here, eight years later, I'm still in the industry and have no plans to leave. 
Yeah, so Charlotte's Web uh, really is on the forefront of cannabis medicine. It was the first probably national brand that was out there. It was featured in 60 Minutes and Sanjay Gupta did a, did a whole piece about Charlotte and how he got converted uh, and changed his, his views on cannabis. Um, so how did Charlotte's Web come together? Can you talk a little bit about Charlotte's Web and, and the products that you produce and the, and the background of the Stanley Brothers? No, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, so when I started in 2012, there wasn't really a hemp industry in Colorado per se, or, or really there wasn't a national program until the next year, 2013, when Obama signed into the Farm Bill at, the, at that time for states to start promulgating rules around hemp cultivation, hemp agriculture, and what that could look like for the state. And that's when Colorado really got going. And the reason we, we got involved with the hemp program was we had this handful of genetics under medical marijuana that were very high in CBD, very low in THC. Nobody was calling it hemp, obviously, for as, as we all know, and I'm sure your audience knows that things have, have changed drastically in terms of education around this plant. But back then, uh, people could barely say cannabidiol or, you know, people had no idea what that molecule even was. Um, I certainly didn't. I learned a lot in that, in that first couple of years. Um, and still continue. But when we knew that those plants then under the new rules could be classified as hemp, we knew we had to solve a fundamental problem for us at that time was this ginormous waiting list for people trying to get hemp extract, this high CBD hemp extract that we were making for Charlotte and that cohort of, of children and, and other folks, adults that were coming to the state of Colorado to access medical cannabis. Um, even CBD at that time was only sold in dispensaries. And so when the state opened up those rules, we knew we needed to get those plants, those genetics classified as hemp, get them certified by the state, by the Department of Ag, which we did, and then move those plants to larger scale production, which meant get them outside in a field under a center pivot uh, watering operation out in Eastern Colorado. And so that, that was why we, 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 we built the company was we had to separate those plants, those hemp plants from the medical marijuana world, get those registered as hemp and then start a whole new company to support the agricultural, um, you know, scale of those plants. So, so how big is Charlotte's Web now in, in terms of um, how many countries are you in? How many units do you think you move a year? What's the volume of the company and the reach? Oh man, we're, we're growing so quickly. You know, we started officially Charlotte's Web in late 2014. Um, I moved over to Charlotte's Web in early 2015, January 1st, or, or right around that time was my, my first day officially at the Charlotte's Web company moving from medical cannabis. Um, and when I came on, we were about 20 to 30 people deep within the whole organization. But fast forward to today, we, we just uh, closed and finished on a um, 700,000, oh wait, forgive me, I'm going to get the square footage wrong. It's a ginormous building in Louisville, Colorado, which houses all of our shipping, manufacturing, production, all of it under one roof, which is really helpful for us. We're about 340 or 350 full-time employees right now during the heavy agricultural season will bring a, a bunch of temporary workers on, which pushes up well above 400 people. Um, we just made an acquisition with, a, with a, another uh, CBD company called Abacus Health, and that put our retail doors up to over 20,000 store locations, including the Abacus Health 
uh, list, distribution list that they brought to us with, with the merger. Um, so we're out there and I think we're maybe the largest footprint in the United States internationally has been difficult because CBD laws are, are tricky and they're different import, Im, import laws are different everywhere. So we, we've been working slowly with Canada. We've been working slowly with, with Europe. Um, we've also been working slowly with, with places in South America, but nothing solidified yet. Our, our whole operations is really in the United States right now. And of course, you now have the title of Director of Social Responsibility. Uh, as far as I know, you built the, social, the Corporate Social Responsibility Program at Charlotte's Web. How did that evolve? What did you start with? How did you get started? And, and where are you now? What are your main pillars, if you will? Oh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, the brothers started their whole medical cannabis pursuit with a weird business name. They called themselves Stanley Brothers Social Enterprises. And, and <laughs> nobody at that time really understood what, what are you guys trying to say? What are you doing? And for them, though, it was this idea of, hey, we're going to get into business, but we've got, we're not just regular business guys. We've got to, we're, they're conscious individuals in the sense of, they are aware of needs of others. They're very, um, they're very geared towards helping others. They come from uh, a, a Christian background, and some of those principles of love your neighbor as yourself. Those guys exude that, and they and they can do their best to live it out. And so their expression of that in the beginning was, let's call ourselves Stanley Brothers Social Enterprises. That means we're going to do good things, and we're going to help out society where we can. And at that time, it was let's help figure out these molecules. Let's see if we can find something that works for for this, this disease state and that disease state, that's where their heads have been. What, what happened though, as we started growing up as a company and, and started getting bigger, uh, we started attracting other people that just came to the company for the sole purpose or the sole reason, I should say, that of Charlotte's story, that these guys would build a product that would help this little girl and bring those things together and help other people and do their best to give it away as, as best as they could. And, you know, for example, this year we gave a uh, million dollars worth of product to people in need. Uh, yes, certainly, uh, uh, you know, catalyzed by the, the pandemic and the great need that, that we're seeing in our world today in 2020. But what it meant for us in 2017, when Joel Stanley was CEO and looking around the room and getting advice from, from his team and his, his executive team at, the, at that time, um, there was a deep hunger within the community, within the staff of Charlotte's Web to continue the social good mission. And that's when we first learned about B Corps. And one of our team members uh, started talking to us about that, introduced us to Kim Kupanis, who came and gave us a presentation. That was a, that was a real aha moment for, for Joel and the management team and myself, certainly at the time of going, oh, you can, there's, a, there's businesses with, that are purpose-driven that actually you know, have this embedded into the articles of their company, or they have this certification that leads them. And so when Joel was transitioning to chairman of the board, and we were starting to really build out our professional management team and bring on business acumen to really help us grow up and, and become the company we know we can be, uh, Joel wanted to memorialize this, uh, this intent for social impact by creating a division with the board of directors at that time, which we called the social responsibility division, and then appointing someone to that role, which happened to be me, uh, based on my tenure and legacy and the work that I had done in the past. Um, I, at that time, I was just natural fit to, to at least start that process, build out the structure of it, and start to learn. And that really, frankly, I had, I had to get used to the terms corporate social responsibility and, and all the jargon that our world knows pretty well. It was, 
really new to me, even though I had passion around it and I had, um, you know, social impact experience uh, via nonprofit work I did in Juarez, Mexico with my wife before kids during the drug war. Um, I, ha I was kind of mentally geared towards this whole paradigm. So when, when the division was created and the role I was appointed to, when all that happened, uh, the first thing I did was Google search, how do you do this job? <laughs> kind of <laughs> And found, uh, thankfully, found the uh, the CSR um, certificate course at Colorado University, and immediately enrolled into that course, and that kind of set me up for building out what we, what we know today as the CSR department at Charlotte's Web. And what are the main focal points of uh, of the CSR program at Charlotte's Web? Uh, thank you for asking. We had we had it. It was really interesting when we started looking about what can we do, like what should we be doing. And there's a couple obvious things for us around children and families and access. I think one of our our core imperatives and missions has always been to create access to CBD for all those who rely on it. That's something that we have tried our best to do from a legislative front to just trying to stay up with production. Honestly, like just coupling those things together to get this to who needs it most. So we've, we've always been centered around access and um, legislation around that we're very involved still to today. In fact, we have a whole government, uh, government affairs team now, thankfully, and we sit on the board of, of certain organizations like US Hip Roundtable and just doing our best to, to stay in tune to that world. Um, but then responsible agriculture became something very uh, in our face. We knew it at the time when we started with these plants in greenhouses inside smart pots in soil that we could completely control and amendments that we knew were good for those plants that were safe for humans organically produced and it was easy to do it at a small scale and a larger scale what we immediately learned was soil testing before we put those plants in the ground in july which was a late planting in 2013 uh, 24 2014 july 2014 we we had to test the soil heavily because we started cultivating in areas where glyphosate and other pesticides and herbicides are sprayed routinely on fields for potatoes and corn and soy and in kind of the world nestled in our own backyard here in Colorado, Eastern Colorado, Weld County, Ray County, Yuma County, I should say where we're at now. Uh, there's a lot of that going on. There is organic production. In fact, today we are 60% certified organic. Uh, within the next 18 months, we'll be 100% organic. That includes our, our cultivation footprint in Colorado, also in Kentucky and also in Oregon where we operate with those with those farming families. So responsible agriculture became something much more, and this is where we're really learning a lot, certainly on the research front and cannabinoid therapy, but when you start looking at regenerative agriculture, when this plant that we work with is a taker, it's a, it's a phytoremediator, it extracts and takes everything out of the soil, which can be good in production with regenerative practices which means, you know, in short, you got to rotate this crop. You've got to have cover crops around it before it and after it. The inputs have to be clean as can be. You know, it's very comprehensive and technical, and it's a long-term solution towards uh, sustainability globally. So we 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 know that the carbon capture within the soil is real. We know that hemp can be a big contributor to capturing that carbon. Um, and so that's, that's one thing that we're doing. We're working with certain uh, experts around that. And then social justice is something that we started talking about it in our own way a few years ago when, but it was really specific about empowering women and girls. And that comes from the Stanley brothers. They were raised by a single mom and their grandma, 11 kids, 
um, and their mother held two to three jobs all the time while these kids were growing up and being raised. Um, and so the brothers, particularly, they're, they're the seven of the uh, uh, six. Of, the, the brothers are, are the oldest in the family. There is one girl named Jen who's the, 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 oldest, the oldest child of the Stanley family. But then there's three young girls at the very end. And these brothers have um, an affinity and a deep care for single mothers. Um, they've, they do a lot of work on their own around that with certain organizations in the Denver area. Um, and that was one of their requests to me when I started this role was, Matt, what are we going to do to help single moms? And so that was one of my tasks, look into it. And um, I found the Women's Bean Project and started learning a lot from them and from that amazing team on what really is going on in the Denver community, where the need is at most. And, and one of the reasons they became a good fit for us was we were able to help um, bring in some manufacturing capabilities to them to help them upscale. Uh, we, we got to bring in our own experts to help kind of share some time with, with this organization and to learn what they needed in terms of, of scale so that they could make their mission happen more and faster and, and with more impact. And so what we've learned through this though now with the current social unrest in our world, um, it's, it's right in our face and we're learning what we haven't done we're learning where we need to be involved in right now. And so we've, we've turned this pillar that was just really focused on one small area of social justice into a much broader experience. So we've developed a team, uh, a diversity, equity, and inclusion team at Charlotte's Web. We've made some commitments, recent commitments, I'll say, uh, about supporting specifically Black lives and what that means for our own Black employees. Um, we're getting counsel from them. We're in deep learning mode. You know, yeah, we're a new company, and in some ways we should have had some of these things up and, up and stood up before the social justice unrest that we're seeing in our world today. Um, you know, but we're accepting that. And what way we're doing, way, the way we are accepting that is rolling up our sleeves and listening and doing. And so we've connected with a handful of organizations around social injustice. And so we're excited about that. Personally, I'm deeply grateful that we can finally get a team off the ground and have a diversity inclusion team. So we're going to be in learning mode around that for some time. And then we do a lot of work just in the neighborhood. We have uh, community partners. We believe that where our operations are, we should be impacting. So we we're involved with groups such as Community Food Share, Children's Hospital, other places like that, that are doing really important work in the Denver Boulder area um, and jumping in and doing what we can. That's wonderful. You know, one of uh, one of the missing pieces that we haven't mentioned yet that is in alignment with uh, access to medicine. One of your primary pillars is the realm of caring. And I know you're also a board member. Uh, I don't know if you were a co-founder. I know the Stanley brothers were certainly co-founders of realm of caring. Can you talk a little bit about the realm of caring and what they do and why it's um, so important to the to Charlotte's Web's mission? Yeah, Roma Caring started with, along with the brothers. I was not a co-founder. I was I was trying to keep the uh, the inventory and and compliance. That was my sole focus at that time. It was really fun to watch Joel and Heather and Paige and a few other folks sit around the table and make that organization and design it. Um, at that point, when they first designed it, it, was simply how do we help these people? These what we called and you'll remember this term medical marijuana refugees that were flooding to Colorado and other legal states to get access. 
of uh, the realm of caring was was kind of hosting that story of Charlotte and starting to share the news via social media, namely Facebook at that time of, hey, you know, all these small groups of people dealing with Gervais syndrome all of a sudden had a resource to go to that was not just their their doctor. Um, and hear and learn real stories and a bunch of anecdotal um, evidence that they started to see uh, from all these families and and what we what we learned quickly was that these people were uprooting their lives from let's say from Oklahoma or from Michigan or from wherever across the United States and literally packing their cars full of their stuff their essentials and moving and trying to find find trying to find a house when they got here trying to find support trying to figure out what to do next where do I where can I find a job and relocate and it became a resource like come to us let us help you we'll help you find a place to stay we'll get you connected with with doctors here in Colorado we'll, we'll teach you how to get your medical marijuana license there was just a number of resources at, at that level at that time Fast forwarding to today, what it's grown into and evolved into is just an, an incredible research engine arm and advocacy arm. So if there's anyone in the world doing work around cannabinoid research, Realm of Caring is right there in the middle of it. They have the largest observational research study going on in the world today. Um, it's the largest cohort of any study of any kind. They're working with Johns Hopkins University very closely. They'll have papers uh, published hopefully this year, uh, at least two papers of a handful that they've got teed up through the research they've been doing for the last three years or, or more. Also with Dr. Stacy Gruber, Harvard, uh, University of Pennsylvania, uh, the Center for Discovery, which is a phenomenal autism uh, focused research and development team out in New York, they've been working with. Um, so it's become really all about research and facts. How do you really inform um, people that are curious about these cannabinoids and want to implement them into their lives? How do they deal with dosing? How do they, what, what about drug interactions? Or what about research papers that I can give to my doctor? Or how do I talk about these to my families? Or other resources that they have? And, and part of their core, their core operations is taking phone calls on a daily basis. They were taking at one point up to 8,000 calls a month of people calling in the realm of caring and just saying, hey, I, I don't know anything about cannabis. Can you tell me? Or, hey, I just started taking a product. Um, and the realm of caring also on that note, they endorse products. They have a handful of products that they look into. Their goal is to help people find uh, the type of product that works best for them um, through the research that they're working on with these universities and institutions to better people's lives. That's their only goal is a higher quality of life. Let's get the right research and the right information into their hands and the right products into their hands, whether they're Charlotte's Web or another brand, it doesn't matter. Let's find the best brands possible and get them into the hands of these people. Um, and so they're, they're really focused on empowering the community with knowledge being a site for resource and then really elevating research. And so it's, we've gone and seen a ton of changes through, through that organization. I'm very proud of the work that Heather Jackson and, and the team over there have done. Um, and it's also evolving. They're, they're, they've grown quickly alongside the industry, um, which I know that you've seen too. And so really proud of the work that they're doing. Yeah, I've been really impressed with with uh, with realm of the, the realm of caring ever since I first came across them. I remember I had a client in 2018 who wanted to make them a designated charity, so I went down and did a site visit uh, and got to meet with Heather. and And since then, have since then have followed them very closely. I highly recommend anyone that's listening to this if you're looking for information on cannabis, 
its uses, its medical uses, or if you want to support a great nonprofit that supports a lot of people every year, uh, check out uh, Realm of Caring. I'll put the, 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 uh, the website in the notes for the show. Last question for you, Matt. You know, uh, what's next for Charlotte's Web? You had mentioned you're, you're working on B Corp status, which is really unusual for uh, a cannabis company or, or a hemp company in this case. You had mentioned some of the discussions that you're having internally around race uh, in light of the world that we're living in right now. We're having these very productive discussions and overdue discussions around race. I know that you've listed a bunch of initiatives uh, on the website in response to this discussion. Can you talk a little bit about what's coming up now for Charlotte's Web and, and some of these discussions going on? Oh, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that the B Corp project, the thing about that is, is that for me and, and really kind of coming from that founding group perspective is accountability, transparency and accountability. And those are the 21st century's business model is rapidly changing. Uh, consumers, all of our mindsets are changing on a day by day basis. The more we learn about brands and companies, the way they're doing things, the way that those management teams act you know, what those heads and leaders say and do in the public space, what they're committing to and how they can prove that often, authentic, authentically and genuinely where the average person can look into them and say, hey, yeah, they are not just giving us lip service. They're doing what they say they're going to do. And that's what B Corp is bringing to the world is this very robust certification process and robust in the sense that they, they look into your company from top to bottom, left to right, and back again. They go through every layer of your company to understand just how are you treating workers, just how are you impacting the environment, what are you doing through social impact, how, how are you using your funds, what does your board of directors look like in your management team, and what does diversity look like inside your company, and you know it, it goes on and on and on, and it's, and it's tedious. And so it's taken us actually a few years to finally get to the stage we're at today. We're not certified. We're actually going to be, you know, fingers crossed, the third CBD company, um, or maybe fourth. We've got Frog Song, which is a very small company out of Oregon, which was the first CBD company. Very, very small operations. I had never heard of them before. I don't even know if they're still in operations, but they're certainly the first. So shout out to them if, if they're out, <laughs> out there listening. And then we had Bluebird Botanicals, amazing company here in Denver, amazing Colorado company. I'm proud to be in the industry alongside people like the whole Bluebird team um, and what they've brought to the table. So they were certified in 2019. And that really hurt, actually, when I saw that my, my competitive ego side was just like, no, we were supposed to be the first big ones. But then Prima just came out a week or two ago, maybe two weeks ago, as the third CBD company to come out. And hats off to Prima. They have a beautiful brand. They're doing incredible work. I know they're uh, Sephora in, in the beauty brand kind of world. They've got that place. They've got that segment captured and they're doing a really amazing job. So hats off to them. So we could be the fourth CBD company. And I really hope so. More than anything, not just for the accolade and the certification and a pat on the back. It's more for us as like, wow, this company, we're public, right? And, and there's a lot to be said about being a public company. And one thing that we could use is, is a, a paradigm of support and focus toward making good, sound business decisions. Yes, being fiduciary responsible for our shareholders um, and all stakeholders involved, but being able to couple that with uh, decision-making possibilities for our, our management team 
to invest money in the right ways for social good and social impact, to be able to make business decisions based on how it's going to impact the environment and how it's going to impact the communities around us where we operate and just what good we want to do. We'll be able to do that under this sort of framework with B Corp. And, you know, I have no doubt we are going to do the right thing, no matter if we're certified or not. That's the spirit of this company. That's the spirit of our CEO currently, Dini Elsner, is we're going to do the right thing no matter what, certified or not. Um, I'm just, I'm just fighting for that certification. I, I want that umbrella to be there for us um, and to have the peace of mind. So that's been my biggest project. And it's actually the, the thing I've focused on most in the last six months is that I've put a lot of our CSR initiatives and programs actually on idle or on simmer until we get through some of this. As you know, the, the pandemic has, has really muddled the workspace and everybody's lives seem to be busier, more or less, um, you know, than, than ever before. So that said, we've, we've had a real deep focus on this process and um, I'm eager for it. And I think uh, it'll be a, a boon to the industry as along with Bluebird and Prima and Frog Song. I think certifications like this, whether it's B Corp or something similar, even the organic certification or the regenerative organic certification through Rodell Institute, those, those are all things that are gonna help continue to legitimize this industry and bring it into the consumer's mind that this industry is here to help this world in, in so many ways. Well, Matt, I think that's a great place to leave it. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today on a better world podcast and wish you and uh, the brothers and your whole Charlotte's web family, all the best moving forward. Thank you so much, Mark. It's a pleasure to share time with you and thanks for all your support and uh, for what you're putting out in the world. We need more of this. So thank you for doing it. Oh, thanks. And that's this episode of A Better World. If you found this podcast to be helpful, useful, inspiring, please consider subscribing wherever podcasts are heard. You can find out more information about this particular episode as well as our other episodes on our website, www.abetterworldpodcast.net. From your comments and suggestions and feedback, you can send that all to Mark M-A-R-C at Needle consultants.com. I'm Mark Ross, and I look forward to joining you next time as we explore how we can all help to create a better world.